Hey, welcome to New Jump City, everybody, where we recap the week in American and Japanese sequential art. I am your host, Christian, the unbiased king. Aspinall. And also joining me is the man, the myth, the legend, <coughs> is Joshua. Gangsta Time Cole. Well, it's called Partner, but it should be called Gangsta Time. What up, Chris? What up, everybody listening? Hey, buddy. Uh, so good night. Dropped a couple bombs on me earlier, but we're going to get into that. Oh, yeah. Uh, also joining us through Discord, it is the disembodied voice of our Edgelord producer, Big News, Brian. Hey, what's up, nerds? Hey, buddy. Oh, my goodness. We have a we have a bit of a gauntlet to get through today, so let's not waste any time, and let's get into plugs. You can find me at the Chris Espinal on Twitter and Instagram. Joshua Cole, where can they find you? At JD Cole underscore 37. That's on Instagram as well. Oh, yeah. Brian? You can find me at twitch.tv slash it's punchline. And if you want to follow my socials as well, you can find me at b.esp on both Instagram and Twitter. Oh, yeah. You can follow the show itself at New Jump City on Twitter and Instagram. Follow us on Twitter, especially because we do a really good chapter of the week poll every week. So, yeah. Let your voice be heard. I have the winners for this week already on lock. Uh, and uh, the poll usually goes up after the chapters are released in America here on Viz's website. So do that. Cast your vote. Let your voice be heard. Um, if you want to follow the show at all, uh, we are on YouTube. Subscribe to us there. Uh, like, share the videos, all the things. Uh, if you like the show, please comment below. Also, let us know what you thought about this week's comics and manga. And uh, if you prefer audio podcasts, we're on pretty much every podcast platform there is. Apple Podcast, Spotify, Pandora, Amazon Music, wherever you listen to podcasts, we are on there. So check us out. Uh, yeah, I did all the like, subscribe stuff. So that's it. Email us at newjumpcitypod at gmail.com if you have any suggestions, questions, comments, anything you guys want to talk to us about. That would be the place to reach us. So get, get at us there. Uh, and, uh, you know, without further ado, I believe it's time we get the show started. Uh, it is time to do our manga stuff. Hmm. One Piece. We are starting with One Piece, chapter 1023, Spinning Image. Uh, and last we left our heroes, uh, Zoro and Sanji just sprung into action to take down King and Queen. Uh, <coughs> Luffy is getting prepared for combat down below off of uh, Onigashima and yeah everything's uh, looking like it's swinging back uh, back to where it's supposed to be you know momentum's finally uh, catching up to our heroes uh, Sanji and Zoro just delivered a devastating blow to King and Queen but you know they're still around as we start this chapter uh, they're just lying on the ground like whoa did that just happen uh, it's, it's pretty cool uh, the other uh, fucking randos in the background tried to snipe Zoro, but uh, Kawamatsu br uh, cuts them. Is just like stay out of their way, uh, and pretty much Shogoro uh, commands his his squad to go take care of the like small fries uh, in order for Sanji and Zoro to take on the the big fish here. Um, I think Izo comes in to save Marco for a minute because uh, he's just sitting there. Uh, I guess just like not even really paying attention. Um, so, yeah. 
uh, Izo takes him away, and Zoro and Sanji start to lock into battle with King and Queen. Uh, Queen starts to shoot lasers at everybody, uh, and Sanji lets out like an oof, like he's hurt or something. And uh, Zoro's like, what the hell is going on with you? And Sanji says that ever since he put on the raid suit, his body has been feeling a little off. So I'm like, whoa, what could that mean? Uh, I have thoughts. Ooh. Yeah, this, if there's anything this chapter accomplished is that it gave me so many thoughts. Uh, yeah, this chapter <laughs> yeah. set the community abuzz. I imagine. Yeah, they revealed just uh, so much uh going forward but yeah Zoro and Sanji uh like ward off the attacks of king and queen respectively um he's asking then queen is, notices that like when Sanji uses his Diablo Jambe um queen is like hey I heard you guys are all cyborgs is that true uh <laughs> is that part is that why your leg just gets on fire and um Sanji's like nope I'm all human dude I'm like I couldn't become a, cy- uh, a cyborg uh and yeah, Queen lets out to like, how does your leg just get on fire? And it's kind of funny how we were all just like, it's One Piece. That's why <laughs> this entire time, and the whole time Oda had like an actual explanation. Probably, I like how I like how <laughs> probably I like how Queen's the only person to ever question this. Yeah, <laughs> like ever, out of everyone he has ever fought, he's the only one who was like. Yo, why do your leg do that thing? <laughs> I think he's one of the only ones that had the time to think about it. Yeah. Um, it's kind of, yeah, it's interesting, you know? Before he got kicked in the head. Yeah. Because Sanji <laughs> doesn't know? even need to spin around anymore in order to do Diablo Jambe, so it's extra weird now. Um, oh. Like, because before you can make the argument that it's like, oh, it's just, you know, he spins around at such a high speed that the friction of the ground with his foot just sets his foot on fire. Um, but now he's just like, he just, it just comes on, uh, which is pretty cool. Uh, and as, uh, queen mentions the Lunarian, uh, King looks over like, hmm. Hmm. Oh yeah. Stop stop talking, stop talking my business. (laughs) (laughs) You're not supposed to reveal that fact. Um, but yeah, Sanji does this crazy ass wheel kick. Um, and, Queen uses his armament hockey to defend it. Uh, meanwhile, King is fighting Zoro. Uh, he has this sword that has like, it's like a comb. It just like cuts it and it uh, catches Zoro's swords, allows him to disarm it. And then Qu- King just comes in with brass knuckles or like spike knuckles and just like tries to knock Zoro out in the face. But Zoro finally uses his mouth sword <laughs> to like do something. I was like, oh, that's what it's for. <laughs> He got his face, sure. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, Zoro's like, I see, a killer machine, huh? He's like, yeah, I did it. do I need to fight you old school in order to fight? And Zoro's like, yeah, you did. You never did say you were a swordsman, so I guess that's fine. Um, so, hey. oh, sorry, what were you going to say? No, I'm agreeing. It's, it's, it's true. Yeah. Never said that. Yeah, so... As they're about to get ready for battle, uh, Kawamatsu in the background uh, says that, like, when Lady Hiori gave him gave her gave him the sword, there was no reason that he couldn't bring himself to not help him. And Hyogoro actually drops some info on Zoro, kind of, sort of, maybe. 
Uh, apparently, Zoro looks exactly like this old uh, daimyo of uh, the Ringo territory on Wano known as Shimotsuki Ushimaru. Uh, and it does, it just looks exactly like Zoro, but with like a, like a ponytail type thing. Uh, yeah. It's kind of cool. We get a little visit. Isn't that the guy whose sword he returned? Or the guy who fought in Thriller Bark? No, because they mentioned him later. Um, oh, okay. Well, apparently Ryuma, the sword, the guy that um, that Zoro took, uh, fought on Thriller Bark, is a descendant of this guy. So oh. they're making the connection that Zoro is also a descendant of Ryuma as a result, in, to some degree. Um, yeah, Ryuma had the same color of hair as Zoro, too, like long, uh, during Thriller Bark. Like, that guy did remind me of Zoro once a, when, when I saw it. I was like, what the fuck? Like, yeah. I related to Zoro. He has the same hair color. He's a swordsman. He was a one-eyed swordsman, just like Zoro. And what did uh, what did Ryuma do? What was he famous for, guys? He slayed a know, dragon. What was he? The sword? He, sl- he slayed a dragon. Hmm. Ooh, okay. Wait, the IRL or in One Piece? In One Piece. Ryuma said Ryuma slayed a dragon, and that's like how he's known. Just like a like a pirate dragon, like Kaido, or <laughs> not like, a, I guess not like Kaido, but that's like the a, legend behind him. Like a wild, a wild dragon, dragon like Dragon Knight. Oh shit! He slayed a ri- wild Dragon Knight. Wano's <laughs> uh, a crazy place, man. I guess so. I don't know, man. Uh... But yeah, that's uh, that's all we get out of that. Uh, meanwhile, on uh, the treasure room on the second floor, we return to Jack's battle with Dogstorm, um, and Dogstorm just like grabs his dumb mammoth trunk and just slings him out of the goddamn window. Uh, Jack continues to proceed his reputation of getting his ass whooped at every turn. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so yeah, um, the whole time they're talking about how like. Everything that um, the the Zo- the minks did to prevent the- him from finding uh, from finding Rizo. Uh and he's like, "We did this shit. We were ready to die this whole time. We would let a city of a thousand years fall to ensure that we reach this decisive battle. Um, only by winning this fight, whatever the cost, will a dawn, new dawn, come to the world." And uh, meanwhile, we wait. What did you say, Josh? Sorry, you cut out for a second. Just said, "Wow." Yeah. Uh, and meanwhile, his counterpart, Cat Viper, is also transforming into his Sulong form. After like, Perospero's feels like he's done. He doesn't. He's not even up yet. Uh, and uh, Cat Viper turned into his entire his like ultimate form to continue to put the beats on him. Uh, gotta love Cat Viper. He said, but he said, uh, I hope you're watching, Pedro. If you got a drink, you get, have a drink. If you got one. But use lick spittle. He called him a lick spittle. It's like the oldest insult in the planet. That's like what people called each other in the thirties. Damn. <laughs> He's like, you lick spittle. This is the last moon you'll ever see. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Oda doesn't kill people, but Cat Viper does. He's gonna kill Prospero. Uh. Meanwhile, back at the oh. second floor, we get a little bit of the ninja battle. They're still doing their thing. Uh, and we cut over to the Tokage port and Udon, and we see Law's cl- crew just, like, kind of freaking out. He's like, oh, shit, what is he doing here? It's Kaido. 
do we have to fight him right now? And then the next page is a two-page spread of a giant dragon standing before Luffy. And uh, obviously, this is Momonosuke, who has been aged up by uh, Shinobu. And this is his, like, adult dragon form. Um, I thought this two-page spread looked fucking sick. Uh, yeah. It's like legend- um, like a legendary moment in, in, like, this universe's history. It just, like, yeah. looks really cool. But that's where the chapter ends, is that um, Luffy looks up to Momonosuke and says, let's go take back Wano. <laughs> all right first of all first of all first of all first of all when i first read this and i turned the page because the last thing i said i seen was they said it was kaido i seen luffy like stand like this dragon and i was like damn they, he got up there and he's about to fight already they skipped all of that <laughs> and then you know as i was looking at the picture it just you know came to my mind and yeah just man came. this is epic oh my god uh I think Brian mentioned it a couple of weeks ago, but the 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 implications as far as like who's he's the son of uh, of Odin, but Kaido's the one that killed his pots and almost killed him. But he's a dragon, you know, as well, which is the mark of the person that killed his pots. It's a it's an interesting combo. I don't I I know there's a there's a lot more um, layers of storytelling, you know, as far as the um, the folklore. I guess, like, the Japanese folklore behind, uh, uh, I guess, what the dragon represents and the uh, cycle of father and child versus, you know, evil oppressor, mm-hmm. etc. Anyway, um, this is beautifully done. Yeah. Uh, I mean, this is my very really good chapter of the week. Certified RGC. Certified RGC. Certified RGC. Yeah. Yeah, you do? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, wait. I wrong mean... one. Certified RGC. <laughs> Certified RGC. Certified RGC. And also, Sanji, right? Mm-hmm. Oh. I think there's two ways to look at this, right? There's, there's literally only two ways. Unless it's something completely different and Oda's trying to throw us off. He either had, he either got changed when he put the suit on, when he put the, um, the, the robot armor on, he either changed his body or he already had it, like the, the, the mechanisms, like from birth. That I guess, you know, I remember um, his mom doing something so that, you know, his dad wouldn't take advantage of him and uh, turn him into one of those, like, heartless emotionless kids yeah so yeah i get basically it was either done he was either born with it or it happened after the suit i think it happened after the suit yeah uh i mean for sure because the suit the suit is doing stuff to sanji that's for sure uh and yeah i i don't know i don't know what parallels he's drawing here maybe there's something in uh the cyborg shit that he gives to his kids that's Lunarian in nature, maybe. Because Judge and the Germa Kingdom are from the North Blue. So, you know, like, and obviously the Lunarians would have lived on the on the red line. So, I don't know. Maybe something happened okay. with Judge to be able to do that. So, here's what I think. So, you see how every, um, 
every kid has their own special ability, right? Mm-hmm. So uh, those abilities have to come from something, right? And it's not a devil fruit per se. So maybe, um, maybe for Sanji, they wanted heat. They wanted something fire related, but they couldn't get access to a flame devil fruit of sorts to kind of experiment with. So instead, they did something in relation to Lunarian people. So they they experimented with Lunarians, and they created like a special ability that could use flame without you know using a, a devil fruit. Yeah, I don't know what um, it could be. But the thing is, this wouldn't really make that much sense. Well, actually, it would have to be that, like, maybe the the potion that they took to to suppress Sanji's power wasn't as uh, powerful as we seen. wasn't as suppressing as we once thought. Wait, what do you because, mean? Because remember, um, her mom, his mom, took a oh, potion. Oh, you're like, right. You're right. You're right. Yeah, yeah, I remember that. So it looks like that wasn't as strong as once thought, and it seems like. Uh, the Germa power still comes out through him. So that means maybe the raid suit kind of unlocked, start, is starting to unlock those uh, latent Germa powers. Yeah, maybe. But the Germa powers, I think, are like post-birth. Like they're, they're born as humans, and then Judge would just do shit to make them not human anymore after everything's said and done. But I don't know. Uh, was it? I thought it was at birth because remember she didn't she take it like as they were giving birth? I could be a way to either, negate. Alright, so remember in Boruto how um, like uh, the, the dude that was controlling karma or you know trying to put it into the, the, the kids, he had to get a correct vessel first. Mm-hmm. I think it's um, I think it's similar to that where you know Bef- like he modifies them, but you ha- you still have to have like the right the right vessel, like the right genetics. Yeah. So what she probably did was whatever the potion did probably nullified those genetics that made it like so that it seemed as if the uh uh what do you call it? You know the robotic stuff wasn't viable. Yeah. No, that makes sense. Yeah, I don't know. Uh, as far as Zoro's thing, uh, it's pretty. It pretty much makes sense. I think everybody and their mom was like, oh, shit, Zoro's probably from Wano. Or it got some lineage from from Wano of some sort. Uh, but, and this chapter kind of all but confirms that in a way. Uh, yeah, lots of uh, lore building here. Oh, I'm so excited. I'm so glad that One Piece is also not on break next week. So, yeah. It's nice to see. I don't know if this is a real thing, but I've heard that this is the first time that we'll have four consecutive chapters of One Piece since 2010. Oh, wow. I don't know if it's true. Don't quote me on it. I think I read it somewhere. I could be okay, wrong. Hey, Oda. <laughs> but, uh, Are we about to get another time skip after this? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that'd be four weird. Four weeks straight. Yeah. Oh, That's so crazy. Excited. But yeah, this is a really good chapter. Brian, this is not your really good chapter of the week? Um, um hmm. We don't have time for you to decide hmm. right now, Brian. Make or break. Hmm. 
Nah. Damn. It was close, though. It was close. I guess I know which it one really it is. Close. So, um, I mean, what else could you say? It's a fantastic chapter. Uh, I, I love it so much. I read it like a bunch of times like, over again. That's how you know a good uh, One Piece chapter came out is when I got to read it like, fuck yeah, this was great. Um, but all right, I guess we should move on. Yeah. Yeah. Then let's do it. My Hero Academia. This is My Hero Academia, chapter 324. Uh, a Young Woman's Declaration. Um, so we we start off with like a little um, like narration from Uraraka. She always likes seeing happy people. Uh, she would always like watch her parents be exhausted, which was painful to see. Uh, and she's when she saw heroes in action for the first time, uh, her gaze went straight to the crowd because I imagine, you know, people were happy when heroes showed up. Uh, and we cut over to the present where Uraka is, uh, is still making an impassioned plea to the people to, uh, to take back Deku and allow him to stay over there. One of the bystanders is like, you want us to look like to, to look at him. So what? You tell me that we should be covered in filth too? And I'm like, damn, they're so mean. Jeez, yeah. <laughs> Why These are they like are this? are the worst. For real, these are the worst people. Um, they're just spoiled. I mean, this is a lot though. <laughs> For sure. Um, but yeah, they, she just keeps begging them to let them let him have a moment's rest and take a fucking shower. Uh, and you know, uh. She's basically like thinking to herself that like she she just wants to like see people smile again and she continues to scream out. She's like, if you want me to stand up here and reassure you, I'm sorry I can't do that, but we're all gripped by the same fear. Um and we we cut over as she's narrating, uh that we see that uh there's this hero that comes out and he's all beat up and stuff. Uh, as everybody's cheering, she like takes a glance at this guy who's just like holding his arm and then she sees him in his like vulnerable state. But this guy quickly is just like, I did it, you know, just to like, I guess, uh, ease her, uh, ease her, um, her worries. And she gets pretty hyped up too as a little baby. It's kind of cute. Um, yeah, it's like me to Rhea. Yeah. And he got excited watching all night. Yeah. So, you know, she even remembers Toga for a minute. Uh, you know, and, uh, she remembers how like Toga probably needed help. And if she had like kind of compassion in her life, she probably would have become like a serial murderer, uh, as well. (laughs) Uh, Yeah. You know, uh, but yeah. She's basically, she basically continues on. She's like, she, Izuku Midoriya is the guy. He's the chosen one, but he also still has a lot to fucking learn. He's just a regular high school kid. So she says, this place is his. And in this, over the course of this chapter, Midoriya is just breaking down into tears. Uh, and he just like kind of falls to his knees. Just like this is a very strong parallel that is actually drawn from way earlier in the series that. We'll talk about later, but he go he just like falls to his knees, and uh, in over him falling to his knees, we hear this is how this is the story of how I became the greatest hero. The next two pages there's a two page spread 
of Midoriya amongst the crowd of people on his knees. And she yells out, this is his hero academy. Let him stay here. And we get another splash page of just Midoriya's face crying. Uh, in that moment, we see the uh, animal lady that he saved earlier this arc, as well as Koda, himself, uh, young Koda, uh, with the same sneakers that Midoriya has on, uh, just running towards him. And over them trying to console Deku, they, the caption reads, this story of how we all became the greatest heroes. Uh, Another golden age. <laughs> okay. Rereading this chapter made me certain. This is my RGC. <laughs> yeah. This cha- rereading this chapter made me certain. Certified, Certified RGC. Certified RGC. Certified RGC. Real quick, if I could get into it. Go for I it, love this chapter because of... It's just good character work, you know, and it's not often that it hasn't. It's been a while since we've gotten good character work from characters out like in one A, um, like aside from like Todoroki or Bakugo or Deku, you know what I mean? Like, um, like we've gotten moments for Ida, we've gotten moments for Kirishima, we've gotten moments for for so many people, but um, it always seemed like. Uh, it always seemed like Uraka was behind when it came to that, but this just you know, it's just such a, a wholesome moment, it's such a heartwarming moment. Um, seeing her kind of like try to pull Deku in, pull Deku in back into society, try to convince society to pull Deku back in, and it's kind of like bringing him back a little bit, you know, it's not just bringing him back to school is bringing back his his um his old his old self like his more optimistic his more his more optimistic self his more boyish like um fanboy self like you could see like it's it like her fighting for him this much is something that you know he's not used to letting just happen he's used to being the person to try to make the change in the world himself and um seeing someone fight for him in such a way in a way that he can't help her at all um it has to be really stressful for him but it also has to be like really comforting to have somebody to advocate for you this hard and against all odds you know um it's just such a beautiful scene and to also have like the fruits of your labors show up to help you as well at the end of the chapter, like people that you have personally touched with your work on top of all that. Like this was just such a beautiful chapter uh, when it comes to that. So, um, and also to top it all off, uh, I feel like Deku's story isn't, like they're trying to they're really trying to hammer it home that Deku isn't All Might. He's just not. Deku's power isn't to be the person who can, who's gonna carry the weight of the world on his shoulders. He's not the guy who's gonna like take on all the problems in the world and come out clean. He's going to get grimy. He's gonna get dirty if he does that shit by himself. He's gonna go into a dark place. And what this chapter solidified is that Deku is at his best when he brings people together. When he's when he's the centerpiece that holds people together. 
You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So uh, I think this is a really good turning point for for my hero, where um, Deku's starting to see what he's good at, what he's what he's gonna bring to the table as a hero. Um, and I'm really excited to see what he does next with this next chapter because I know this was a continuation of the last one. So I'm curious where they're gonna go with this next because I assume this is the end of Uraka's little moment and. Um, <laughs> I really, I really did enjoy it. Like this was a really nice moment for Uraka. Um, I, I hope we see more of it from here on out as her as a little uh, liaison between the the public and heroes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, stepping into that leadership role for sure. Is there, like we, like we talked about um, last week, man. That was this is a real good look for a character like her. So even if she doesn't get super lit combat scene she'll always have a, a, a vital role to play and she'll get a lot of screen time and that's mature it's also a nice little role model for a lot of you know a lot of young girls that are definitely into uh the anime if not reading the manga a lot of people into the series you know with a lot of different backgrounds so it's it's cool yeah um i like i like that a lot for a rocker like i said before uh, you want to go into your overall thoughts, Josh? Uh, I I have some stuff that might take a while for me because I've. Uh... All right, so um, I'll 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 I had something I want to say, and then um, I'll respond to I guess your thoughts to me and Brian will. But um, I was really annoyed by, I guess, how do I put it? Like the uh, the citizens. That the uh, you know the heroes are trying to defend and all of that, and that are arguing back at uh, at Midoriya, and I had to reflect and basically come to the point that I was um I was projecting how I felt about things going on you know in the real world around me onto this manga in a kind of weird way. So you know. With all of the cases of police brutality and, um, you know, overextending of their law, like overreaching and overextending of their law, and all of the stuff I've been learning about, uh, honestly, their ineffectiveness uh, uh, around the country, it just makes me very defensive when I think about how people feel like we need to rely on them to, to you know, to, to deal with crime, et cetera, et cetera, right? That's a real world problem. But I, I read this manga sometimes, and it's I kind of I don't want to say it's like propaganda because I don't I don't believe that's the case at all. But it was giving me those vibes where like the people just seem so whiny and helpless, and uh, they needed these heroes to save them. And you know that's totally ignoring the 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 point that I believe has been made very silently is that these people are spoiled. And have been taken care of, and that's, I, I believe, like I mentioned in last week's pod, that's the point Shigaraki was trying to make, and even some of the other characters like uh, Stain or, I guess others I can't remember right now because <laughs> of the pace of the series. Um, so yeah, I fixated on that point, realized that you know the series ain't about that, and this has nothing to do with police in real life, and. Um, I feel like I can enjoy this for what it really is, which is really, really careful and timely character development. And um, it 
there's just so much more ahead, you know, and I'm starting to feel good and positive uh, yeah. again. Yeah. It's, like a, it's like a roller coaster, but I feel like it, this is going to be a upward. continuous upward. Yeah. yeah like, ain't, ain't no more. That's it. Just up to the sky, like the king of the car. Then it's yeah. going to come all down at the end. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, I agree with that. Um, it's funny. Um, I, I liked this chapter all right. You know, pretty much all the way through. I was like, this is cool. This is cool. And then that two-page spread happened. And then I started seeing what he was doing. Like, if you go back, uh, this whole time you see that, like, as Deku is, like, falling apart and falling to his knees, it's an exact mirror uh, of the events, what happened when All Might approached him and chose him to be, like, his inheritor for one for all. Like, he also did the same thing. He, like, fell to his knees. You see his, like, clutching his chest. He falls down. And, uh, yeah, it's the same thing. Starts crying. And I think it's like a reversal of everything. Like Deku's being saved again or being given purpose again. Uh, yeah, it almost feels like a rebirth. Mm-hmm. And now, you know, it's it's like this is the story of how I became the greatest hero. And Brian's right. Because this is the story of how, you know, it like the pillar of society falls but the rest of us have to be stable enough to like hold up our own society. You know, like it's about, it, it, this is about like a changing of the times and relying on your neighbor more than just focusing on one person to solve all your problems. Um, there's uh, another little bit of interesting thing that I didn't read, didn't really understand or, you know, recognize until this very moment in that page where the girl that he saved, the, the animal lady, starts running towards him you also see principal <laughs> principal nesu just kind of like tearing up you know like f- thinking about like humanity making true progress and when you really think about it it's also coda who's being like a normal like a normal looking human being as we see it running towards him as well so it's people of both like i guess backgrounds flooding towards him and seeing something yeah new. i guess symbolizing deku as the one like the guy who's going to tie it kind of together who captures the hearts of pretty much everyone, no matter where they come from or what their background is or what their oppressions may be. And he's their hero in one way or another. Uh, I thought that was like an interesting touch. Uh, yeah. I mean, Deku has been like a very, one of the better main characters I've ever seen. And, you know, you don't really see this where the, I I don't think you've seen this since like Naruto after he beat Pain. This is like his post Pain kind of moment. Even though like Deku hasn't really accomplished something on the same level, this is a moment where like everybody is going to accept him. You know, like he's going to be recognized as kind of the the guy. You know what I mean? Uh, I don't know. I feel like this is a this is an interesting turning point for the series. I don't know where it goes development wise for a lot of people. Um, I don't know what this means for one for all, because now it's not just Deku being relied on as, as the chosen one, which is really cool. Um, it's taking down that myth, which Naruto was kind of supposed to do. You know what I mean? Yeah. The idea of like, there is no chosen one. You know, it's either you ha- you work hard and you become the best or, you know, stuff like that. I don't know. Right. And then realize you were, you were just the chosen one all along. Yeah. Later on. <laughs> But, you know, you yeah, don't have to be, goes. is the point, you know? Uh, yeah, there's a lot. And I'm kind of going on a freewheeling type of thing. But these are the things I've noticed. It's just the parallel to, like, the very first chapter to now. 
Um, and Uraraka is the one who does it, who's always just kind of been by his side. You know, it's kind of sweet. I don't know. This was a great chapter. If it was, if One Piece wasn't just as cool as it was, uh, this probably would have been my RGC. But uh, it, it's a slim margin, honestly. Uh, and but you know what? You know whose RGC it was? The audience's RGC. Certified RGC. Certified RGC. Certified. RGC. Well, well, well. Looks like we can agree with each other, huh, audience? It, it, it beat Black Clover too this week, Brian. Uh, I put Black Clover on the poll. Um, I believe it was uh My Hero Academia in first place, uh, One Piece second, and Black Clover third. Uh, so congratulations, Brian, <laughs> it worked out for you. Uh, but n- no, this is very well-deserved. Uh, it's good job. <laughs> I didn't realize Keep this is, this is kind of like a page short of a regular jump chapter, despite having like a ton of content in it. So yeah, good for Horikoshi. Um, yeah, like this chapter a lot. Uh, I don't have much else to say. I hope, uh, my ramblings wasn't too incoherent, but I, I feel like, uh, I think I made sense <laughs> in a way, but uh, I think so too. Yeah, I think we all did. I think we all had pretty interesting points. Yeah, um, you guys ready to move on to our next series? Let's yep. do it. <laughs> Jujutsu Kaisen. This is Jujutsu Kaisen chapter 156, if it lets me load it. Uh, 156 Twinkling Stars. Um, last we left off, Panda and Megumi were fighting off against uh, Kirara uh, to try and get inside to deal with Hikari and try to get him enlisted into the culling game. Uh, so last we left off, uh, Megumi summoned a big old uh, rabbit escape Jujutsu thing which is apparently a sea of rabbits. And um, the chapter starts off where we notice that there are these markings on each of these rabbits that we even saw on Panda at one point. Uh, and Megumi starts to notice them. Uh, there is these this little star on the rabbits with the name uh, Acru. I think that's how you pronounce it. Uh, Acru, Acrux, Acru on it. Uh, and on the door... Uh, on the exit to inside the building is says uh, gay crew or got crew, whatever you say it. Uh, so yeah, Hakar, um, Kirara thinks to her to himself, Hmm, there's a lot of rabbits, but why my cursed techniques marks cursed, cursed energy. So he considers Shikigami sorcerers as well. So, uh, they start to think that if they keep, uh, if Megami keeps up the rabbit escape, They'll just continue to fucking, he'll just continue to attract rabbits to him and it'll suffocate Megumi. So, yeah. I guess uh, Megumi just, I, I mean, I don't know if this is Megumi undoing the technique or Kirara just exploding all these rabbits, which is pretty dark. Uh, but. No, he, no, I, I, I think he, he exploded them. Yeah. Um, and does Kirara look shocked? Yeah. Okay, so from here on out, we start to get a little bit more insight into what Kirara's technique is. Um, Panda said, uh, Megami no- learns that Panda has the Imai marking on his butt, and um, Megami himself has the Acrux uh, on his on his like side. So mm. he he realized that divine uh, 
his divine dog has a mark probably as well. So he shouts out to Panda that the basis of the cursed technique is a constellation. And uh, Kiro is like, oh, shit. <laughs> He's starting to figure it out. And mm. Megumi basically is like, the constellation is the Southern Cross. And Kirara basically gives it away with their face. Uh, and so now that he like now that Kirara realizes that this guy's putting it together pretty fast, that they have they realize that they have to hold it right there and try to like not let him get to the escape, uh, the exit, basically to the monitor room. Um, so here here's the supposition i'm gonna skip all of the i guess uh conjecture about what kirara's technique is and explain yes. what it is i have to read this a couple times to really understand what kirara's technique is okay so basically uh they mark p- uh things and people uh with these stars based on a constellation in this case it's the southern cross constellation and once they mark them you ha- in order to get close to one of the markings you have to uh get past another marking that's closest to you based on what the constellation is so in the beginning uh megami suppo- uh, realizes that panda and megami can get close to each other because they are the nearest stars to each other on this uh on this constellation the southern cross he is the acrux star panda is the imai star uh, they don't know what Kirara star is, and they know that the exit is marked with the ge- uh, with the Gakrux star. So they realize they figure there's uh, there's a determined order that you need to hit these, I guess, checkpoints to simplify it in order to get to the next star. Um, and they suppose that there's probably a fifth star, apparently. So you know. They just try to find what it is. The basic rules of the technique is that if there's two two things with the same star marked, they can't throw that thing or person anywhere because they'll just attract it. Say, as we see with uh, Panda. As Panda runs over to take down Kirara, Kirara stomps on this car and it just like floats towards, um, it floats towards Panda because it has the Amai marking on it. And so does Panda. So uh, Panda just attracts it. Uh, Panda tries to throw the car, but it just like returns to him immediately because it's always just going to attract to him because they have the same star. Uh, So, yeah. (laughs) And it's not just that Kirara has, it doesn't really mark things. It marks cursed energy. So that's why Divine Dog and the Rabbit Escape was also marked because yeah, marked. it comes from Megumi's cursed energy. He's the Acrux star. And, right, and also how he's able to throw the car because Kirara charged it with cursed energy. Yeah, with the Amai star. Et cetera, et cetera. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Uh, Probably the door as well. Yeah, the door has a different star that Megumi can't approach it because he's not the closest thing to the constellation. So he has to clear both whatever the fifth star is and also Kirara in order to get close to the star, in order to get close mm. to the door. So he, in running away and trying to avoid everything, uh, he notices the fifth star on this little parking thing. Uh, he taps it, which allows him to now be able to get to Kirara. Uh, and 
as he runs over, he notices that there's just a bunch of debris and shit just flying at him because uh, Kirara has marked every one of them with Megami Star. So they'll just all attract to him if they throw it at him. So that's the whole deal. Um, the thing claps down on Megumi, uh, and, uh, you know, Kirara's like, you figured out my cursed technique, but you were too quick to, quick to conclude that I can't throw more objects. I can simply remove the Ginon star on my cursed energy and mark things with the Acrux star. So I guess, like, they can't do more than five stars at a time. Uh, so they, yeah. would, they would have to remove, uh, the Ginon star that was on them to mark more things with the Acrux star, I guess. If that makes sense. Is this all making sense to you? Because this is me reading it uh, like three times in order to fucking figure it out. Yeah, I mean, that's that's how Kurara was able to, to send them, them, them projectiles at, at mm-hmm. Megumi in the first place because he hit that star. So he's like, ah, right, you got that star, but now because you're in that, you know, you, you're in that order, I could send these directly to you. Right. Because otherwise, he was just repelling. Exactly. But now, now that they removed their star off of them, the divine dog pulls up behind uh, Kirara because yeah. uh, Megumi never dispelled the divine dog, actually. And I did notice that at first. I was like, oh, yeah, he never did get rid of the divine dog. Uh, he grabs it. And because the Divine Dog also has the Acrux Star, because it's directly tied to Megumi's Cursed Energy, uh, mm. it starts to attract towards them with uh, with uh, Kirara in hand. Because they have no star, so they're able to be approached by Megumi's Cursed Energy. Uh, and it pulls them in, and Megumi, uh, I guess, disarms her or neutralizes Kirara. And that's where the chapter ends. He says, just listen, please. Um, all right. <laughs> this, was a, this was a very fun chapter to read. It took me a couple, and maybe it's because of my reading comprehension or that sometimes uh, Akutami is very, very vague in his language when describing uh, jujutsu techniques. So, cause very we, slangy. We've definitely had this issue that before. Works. Yeah, we definitely had this issue before where we were like, what are you talking about? <laughs> but this is the typical uh, Jujutsu Kaisen chapter. Yeah. Like, this is as JJK as it gets. <laughs> yeah, for real. I mean, I'll be honest. Um, I still think like Jujutsu Kaisen is probably one of my favorite power systems ever. Even now, yeah. even when I had to read it a couple times, I do love that. You know, it is it is a game. These techniques are basically games that you have to yeah. like. You have to fulfill conditions in order to fight people. It's very strategic. And once I like understood, I don't know if I explained it well, but I get it in my head. It makes sense to me. And once I understood that, I'm like, all right, this is fucking cool. <laughs> this is this is kind of interesting. And you know, it's a way to keep battles fresh from battle to battle. Um. I mean, I loved it. Although it wasn't This is like smart bleach. <laughs> yeah. Oh, sorry, cut you off. It is smart bleach, you're right. Like when you think about the Zanpaktos and the Bankai's, right? Whenever they had a cool new move that you know, it didn't they didn't really have too much strategy around it. It was just all right, now this move could just violate your shit unless you can 
directly counts to me. Which yeah. most of the time that's that's the case. What happened? <laughs> so, but this is a smart way to have all that flash shit because I, I was thinking because whenever you talk about the power system, you know, I always have this thought back where I'm like, eh, is it really that great? And it's because it's very vague, but it's you. You had to also know, like, as as you read Jujutsu Kaisen, the author, you had to trust them. You had to trust that he's going to create each of these wacky abilities with some sort of balance to it. <laughs> these goofball like abilities. Game. Yeah. Every one of these you know? abilities has, like, is is not invincible 100% except for Gojo's, but that's, like, a whole different story. Um but yeah, like they I, I all like they it. all get balance patches, and he can update it throughout his, his series. If someone's if someone's power seems too broken, he can he can uh, nerf it and add some conditions to it that they didn't talk about. Oh, I didn't mention this before, but I can only do such and such when X and Y occurs. You get it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Smart. It's really smart. I think that's what makes the power so cool is that it's very malleable while not being completely ridiculous. Yeah, and it's so unique. I mean, I don't think there's like a, a a power system or even like a battle system like this series. Um it's unlimited potential. It's so fun to read like when like when the powers are actually really cool, they're so cool. <laughs> you know, like Nanami's power is one of my favorite powers ever. Yeah. It was uh, simple too, you know. Yeah, uh, rip it, it to Nanami. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, it's uh, such a fun series. Once, I mean, obviously once it sticks in my dumb little pea brain <laughs> that once it all oh, comes together, man, you're too modest, man, you're too modest, but I just, I really think the translations, uh, have a lot more to do with it. I don't know, dog. I think this is just very hard to reading comprehension. <laughs> I think it's uh, genuinely kind of in, uh, complicated on purpose, but I like it. I think it, it it helps because like it's supposed to be complicated. We're supposed to be putting it together at the same time as Megumi. Uh, yeah. So you know, I get Good it. Good point. Good point. Yeah. But it's cool. Yeah. Cool. Interesting power. Um, I can't wait to see what Hakari's fucking power is. Oh my god. I wonder how cerebral. I mean, just is. wait. Quick, quick shout out, real quick. I mean, you know, like I said, this really was a typical Jujutsu Kaisen chapter. And I mean that, like in more positive ways than than negative Mm -hmm. like the way he uses his rabbits which is you know a a a movement slash escape option he used it to to map you know to 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 kind of get more of an idea of what hakari's ability is and its scopes and limitations yeah you know or, or a little peep into the thought process it's always those little touches yeah you know yeah megami's very smart uh but I don't know. That's all I gotta say about Jujutsu Kaisen. What a fun read. Um are you guys ready to move on? Brian, you didn't say anything about this Jujutsu Kaisen chapter. What did you think? He thinks it wasn't better than, than my hero academia, academia, obviously. Now what is, you know, what is in his mind? <laughs> I don't think he's even here. Um well, in any case, it's fine. We'll just move on, I suppose. Uh it is time. To go to our American books. Batman Fear State Alpha number one. Um, All right. So we got a big old uh, event, I guess, Batman event. Uh, 
starting with this I, I mean maybe it's not an event maybe it's just like the one shot intro that they do sometimes in america yeah but anyway fear state alpha number one and we start off in a, a f- many months ago uh when uh saint the one of the villains for this uh run of batman uh first approached uh jonathan crane the scarecrow uh about his uh about his whole deal and uh he's basically like why are we not in the visitor's room and he's like because i'm rich and I paid off Arkham because this place sucks. Why do they keep sending people here? Uh, so, you know, basically we get the origin of their partnership. Uh, he basically found Jonathan Crane and asked him to help him out with his fear state thing and help him make the world a better place by delivering such a shock to the collective uh, population system that they'll be stronger for it later. And Crane's like, mm. okay, I'll need $25 million. <laughs> right now (laughs) on the 25 million dollars uh lots of chemicals lab space and a good deal of burlap and and rope which is nice which is hey i thought it was really funny because it's like it's like i'm obviously going to make myself a new dumb scarecrow costume (laughs) yeah that's how this works yeah you don't get the cost you don't get me if you don't get the costume together right right. Uh, and at that point, that's when we cut over to the present, where, uh, as we uh, know from the previous Batman issues, uh, Scarecrow has just decided to go rogue, like, fuck Sane Industries, I'm doing this shit on my own, I can't believe you didn't even see this coming. Uh, and at the moment, he has Batman sedated by uh, his uh, super fear toxin, uh, and he's talking to him this whole time uh, about how his intentions are not overall good he is doing this for scientific curiosity but at the end of it all, <laughs> mostly yeah but at the end of it all he sees this as he's doing gotham a favor because he thinks that like after he's done they'll just be you know like gotham will be a stronger place the people of gotham will be stronger for it uh and we get after that we get kind of a two-page uh summary of what's been going on so far uh through the news uh with the peacekeeper and all that uh, speaking of the devil, this peacekeeper just like wanders outside because he is still a high on scarecrow toxin. Uh, oh, he's wasted on <laughs> scarecrow toxin, bro. This is your brain it's on scarecrow up. toxin. Uh, it's not good. And um, people are like, his people are trying to get in contact with him. And he's like, ah, they're not real. The voices in my head. And, uh, they're just like, pull it together, man. Fuck, we need you. Uh, so, you know, he's like, we need you to save Gotham City. And he's like, Gotham, I need to save Gotham City. Uh, and uh, I guess that's where it ends. We see a giant ship in the sky. Is that what I'm seeing? Because I think, like, it's a little obscured. Yeah, he's, he's seeing things. Yeah, I, I mean, there is apparently a UFO in the sky over, I guess that's where um, the Saint dude works. I guess. Where yeah. they've been out, I didn't know that. I didn't realize they were in a fucking UFO. Yeah, so, I didn't think they real had. Real creepy. I didn't think they had a shield helicarrier on deck, but they do. Um, Anyway, so Saint is pissed. <laughs> He's just like, I spent so much money on this fucking guy. What's going on here? Uh, and they're like, man, you just wanted you wanted him to be super stealthy so that Batman couldn't get him. Why are you mad at us? 
Because he's like, I don't know, man. I figured that you would make it somewhat easy for me to communicate with him. Uh, yeah, like some type of backdoor for us. Yeah. So, you know, now they're doing damage control. Saint is basically like, well, fuck him, too. We're just going to have to apprehend him, stop Scarecrow, and save this entire program because th- we look real bad right now. Uh, it's not great. And uh, in any case, we cut back over to the GCPD headquarters uh, where Montoya finally gets the mayor on the phone and she is losing her shit. She's just frustrated left and right. She's just like, dude, I thought you would be different from the other stupid fucking mayors we'd have to deal with in this goddamn city. And mayor's like, nope, I'm the same. I'm the same thing, man. Just more of me. Uh, Dumb mayors who are afraid of, you know, Batman and criminals at the same time. Uh, So, you know, he's basically like, I'm still sticking with Saint, even after all this shit that's happened. And Montoya just, like, throws someone else's phone on the floor, like, damn it! I think we see the guy whose phone it is in the background, like, oh, fuck. That's actually my phone. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) So, you know, I guess Renee realizes that, like, after there's just a bunch of ads for St. Industries, she realizes, like, oh, damn it, They're they're gonna cut all the communications to the outside world, so, fuck. (laughs) <laughs> Why, when when has this ever worked um, meanwhile at the uh, clock tower where Oracle works uh, she gets uh, the Batgirls to put up a, to put up her ultimate signal that taps directly into the Gotham emergency broadcast system so that she could deliver a message to the people and it starts off that way but then all of a sudden the Oracle message just starts playing something completely different uh, it starts talking about how like Batman's dead and uh, the Gotham citizens should be totally fucking scared right now because Batman's dead and nothing can save them from what's coming next. And Oracle's like, damn it. Why are they doing this right now? Um, yeah, they got her. Isn't this supposed to be her, her shit? Yeah, this is supposed like, to what's... be. It's supposed to be her shit. Uh, but like, it... You quit being Batgirl to do this. <laughs> <laughs> you really let it go, huh? You really dropped the ball. <laughs> yeah. As soon as it started, this is your one thing, dude. Right. Um, okay. It's all right. Batman, Bat- Batman's uh, holding the L himself right now, so you know. I guess that's the flavor for the team. Yeah. At the moment. Yeah. Um. After the message, the scarecrow, or I guess this is maybe not the scarecrow. I don't know who this is, but they they just like cut the line and they they speak to Oracle directly. They're like, they don't want your old truth anymore. They want my new one. So, peace. And they explode her computer somehow. Uh, it, it's it's frustrating. Uh, meanwhile, in Eden, uh, we see uh, Harley uh, with the Unsanity Collective uh, and Ghostmaker following Gardner, who is, I guess, works for Poison Ivy at the moment, who has been possessed by this evil plant thing. Uh or something like Some, that. Something like that. I guess we'll get more of an explanation later. Um, yeah, when the event inevitably comes. There's something going on with her, right? Yeah, there's yeah. A, there's an event down the road I remember hearing about. Something like that. I think this is the event. Because Tinian's supposed to leave soon. Uh, off of Batman, so. Oh. Um, anyway, she's just like... She just, she can control plants like, like a swamp bender from Avatar. 
And she's just like, who, who goes there? Man, you de- you defied me and brought all these people here. Um, and Harley... Not Ma- to be that guy right now, but uh, actually, she doesn't just bend the plants. She can uh, create more and spawn more different types of uh, species and varieties. Damn. I so. just got schooled. I got schooled. <laughs> yeah. Mm. Well, carry on. In any case, yeah. She does all that thing that Josh said. She creates new plants and all that stuff. And then Harley makes an impression plea just like, please don't kill us and let my friends stay here. They have nowhere to go. Uh, and, you know, after appealing to her soft side, uh, Poison Ivy's like, okay, they can stay. And, um, yeah, Gardner has made Harley aware of this uh, this other piece of Harley, uh, of, of Poison Ivy that exists out there somewhere. And if Harley can retrieve that piece of her and bring it back, then maybe this Queen Ivy will r- relax for a goddamn minute. <laughs> uh, take a chill pill. So Harley accepts the mission for now. And meanwhile, speak of the devil, I guess this piece of Poison Ivy is actually hanging out with Catwoman right now. Um, maybe this is something that's happening in Catwoman's book, uh, that I don't read, unfortunately, but, uh, apparently, yeah, Poison Ivy's with her. So I guess Harley and Catwoman are going to cross paths at some point. Um, in any case, she comes up and talks to these characters that I've never heard of, probably because they're supporting characters in her book. Uh, and they inform her that, uh, it was announced that Batman is dead over their airwaves. And she's like... Do you really believe that shit? It's Batman. This is his title. Uh, he's not going to die here. Wait, come on. To the Scarecrow? Stop. Yeah. Um, we then cut over to, I believe this is Tim Fox. I think that's his name. Uh, who is the next Batman, apparently. So, you know, he's. Uh, I guess he's about to spring into action in his own Batsuit. Son of Lucius Fox. Yeah. Son Morgan of Freeman. Morgan in the uh, Christopher Nolan Batman movies, his child. Yeah, yeah, that had a, got that had a lot of good characters, like you know Michael Caine as Alfred. Yeah, a good supporting cast in that movie. Um, but anyway, we cut back to Batman, who's being talked down to by the Scarecrow. He's like, "Can you feel it? Can you feel it, Batman?" Uh, it is like the future state of Gotham is forming beneath us. The pieces are now in place. And then Batman, like, Fast and Furious style, flexes out of his uh, restraints and uh, punches <laughs> Scarecrow away um, and just jumps out of the window, you know, and I guess that's where the issue ends. Whereas Scarecrow says, you can go. It's fine. It's too late for you to do anything anyway, Batman. Isn't it always? And uh, that's where the issue ends. Uh, so... Yeah. Is 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 he in the dream already, or is this the or real is life? Going to start later. <laughs> What's uh? What do you mean? Did, did his trip? Did his uh hallucinate? <sighs> hallucination? Is he hallucinating now? No, he's good now. Or I think is it going to happen later? I think he's so. I don't know. Up. It might have started. He might think he bust out the restraints without that window. But no. he could still be in fucking La La Land. He, I mean, he could. It could be both. He could have just like snapped out of La La Land for a minute and just jumped out of the window. But I don't know. Um, 
I, I guess what they're trying to say is Batman got away, but it's too late for him. So I guess this is where Batman ends, everybody. Uh, you know, yeah, I mean, this was a very jam-packed issue of stuff. Um, I thought I thought it was very good. Um, there were a lot of really good books this week, and uh, it was kind of difficult. This is, this is ah, man, it's, it's tied, but it's very close, but this is probably not my VGI. Josh, then that means Josh already knows what it is, but <laughs> I thought it was really cool. Uh, sets up a lot of events. Um, this feels like a pretty big bad event. Uh, do you have any thoughts, Josh? Um, yeah. First of all, this is my VGI, Whoa. and just like you, it was very close, man. So I had to give it off. Certified VGI. Damn. All right. So. Um, I'm really big on if a comic makes me think about things, you know, after the fact, whether it's lore or even if it was something that was so fucking hilarious, right? Um, this Batman story that's going on, the theme that they're addressing with uh, the, the state of fear and, 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 and how it's used as a tool to, you know, uh, push agendas and influence people a certain way. It's very real. It's a, it's, a, it's, a, it's a thing that happens every day on our televisions. Uh, whenever you hear about, you know, shootings um, in the news and uh, all of the silly shit on, you know, when you hear about the politicians going back and forth, et cetera, et cetera. This is it's just touching on a real subject. And I, I, I think that Tinian is going to execute it well because he has been so far. I mean... Dr. Crane himself, he, when he had that conversation uh, with Saint, he was, he laughed at him. As soon as he, like, came, came to the understanding that he thought that he was going to use his methods of fear to, you know what I'm saying, for what Crane wanted to do to be able to control society, I had something in his image, like, you know, he thought it was a ridiculous notion because Crane cares nothing about that. Mm-hmm. Um, you know what? I'm not going to lie, bro. I feel like I had a uh, point, but I lost it. Maybe, <laughs> do you have any thoughts? Maybe it'll come back to me. <laughs> no, I mean, I think, um, yeah, I think this is just, uh, uh, again, just interesting. I think you're absolutely right. You know, this is a lot of this arc has just been about fear and, you know, just uh, how, like, the news is very, uh, prevalent feature in this series uh in this run it's like the news is like on in every issue and it just i guess is a comment on how uh you know mainstream news also likes to push fear fear sells type of thing you know you always hear about the worst news possible at all times so you know i think that was uh that was a thing that was i thought was interesting uh did you did you find your point well, yeah, I'm going to go back to, to actually a line he says to him. Um, he basically says that I don't know if you're going to like, uh, like, Dr. Crane tells the saint in his early conversation, I don't think you're going to like, like what's on the other side of, um, you know, what I do to, to Gotham City or society, etc., because you're not going to be able to control it. And um, I don't know. Um, I don't have too many deep thoughts about that per se, but I thought it was an interesting um, 
it, it, it just fits the theme because you got Saint who represents, you know, the people who try to control using fear. Mm-hmm. Um, and you got Dr. Crane who is, I guess, objectively evil because he doesn't give a fuck about the welfare of people. He just wants to see what the result of this is, and which is going to be raw and chaotic. I mean, yeah. Saint doesn't want to just regular influence people. He wants to completely change society mm-hmm. via fear. You know, this is, it's like seeing their practices backfire on them by pushing the, like, gas too much. That's mm-hmm. the best way I can put it. It's just, I want, I want to see how, uh, where they go with it. I want to see how, how smart it'll get. You know what I'm saying? How, how, how thoughtful it could be. Yeah. Um, yeah, I thought so too. I can't wait for uh, the events to start. I don't know if it's still going to remain monthly or maybe it'll, like, uh, be a crossover with, uh, with a f- couple other books, but. I guess we'll find out in due time, but that's all I got to say about Batman. It was pretty cool. Uh, yeah, you you ready to move on? Yeah. All right, let's do it. Uh, now we are moving on to our X books. Um, this is Hellions number fifteen. Uh, we're starting with that. Last we left off, uh, the the Locust Vial pulled up from Morocco uh, to to fuck shit up down on earth again to find the hellions who have stolen uh bits of his dna and are going to use it for means that he does not approve of so he's going back he sent his children back to kill the hellions again um we open this issue with the bad guys the robot bad guy dudes uh i guess like pulling up onto the coast of uh of krakoa uh they can see it in their little binoculars and they seem to have made a satellite out of the robot pieces that uh, the Hellions fought before. Uh, they get in and they start, I guess, talking to the nanny ship that has the tiny little baby AI inside of it. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, that's that's not going to turn out great for anybody. Um, no. Not at all. In any case, uh, we cut over to Brooklyn, New York which is the place uh, where Murder World is. Uh, and Sinister and his clone that he sent into Araco to die, basically, uh, have arrived there to because uh, Mr. Sinister convinced his clone to pull up and uh, he'll com- in order to get him on his side to show them what uh, he's been up to with uh, Tarn's DNA. Uh, at that moment, that's when we cut back to... Um, to the Hellions where they're fighting against Tarn and the Locust Vile. They're just getting fucked up by the Locust Vile, these sinister clones that Mr. Sinister has unleashed upon them. And, um, yeah, the, the Hellions are up shit's Creek right now without a paddle. It's not looking good for them. Uh, not at all. And meanwhile, one of the Locust Vile known as Amino Fetus is just trying to eat everyone. It's just the grossest villains in the history of all comic books, I think. Uh, <laughs> all of these guys. Okay, uh, sounds like a One Piece villain. Yeah. The go, 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 go. Gore, <laughs> gore, gore, gore. <laughs> so, not great. Um, so, Psylocke tries to, like, fucking stop them with her powers. And Tarn's like, oh, I felt that one. You're strong, huh? And uh, he's... And... Uh, I guess uh, Psylocke tries to bargain with him. He's like, I know where Sinister is. I know what he's doing. If you let us go, then I'll tell you where he is. And Tarn's like, 
Tarn does not bargain. He takes. And he tries to go into her mind. Uh, but, you know, Psylocke is, like, putting up every last possible psychic defense that she can. And Tarn's like, oh, damn. You're going to try to... F- <laughs> You're not going to let me in, even if you have to die to do so. All right, fine. I'll make the deal. You know? <laughs> my word is disease, but my mind is... See- but uh, Tarn speaks the truth. I'll let you go if you'd let me know where Sinister is. I like how he states, I'm a shiesty bastard that lies. <laughs> However, I am telling the truth right now. Yeah, the, you'll have to... Put- <laughs> that was a real fancy way of saying that. Yeah. <laughs> Basically. Basically. So, yeah, he he reads Psylocke's mind and he's like, what? Blasphemy! Mother Rapture! <laughs> uh, and, yeah, I guess he teleports over to Sinister's hideout where... Uh, the, as uh, Sinister is about to reveal what he's been working on, Tarn the Uncaring just pulls up with his portal. Um, <laughs> and like, um, the Sinister clone's like, oh, fuck me. <laughs> Immediately. <laughs> yeah, he didn't love it. This book is so fucking funny sometimes, dude. Um, so he says, as soon as he walks in, he says, praise who? And uh, the clone is immediately like, praise Tarn, praise Tarn, don't hurt me, please. Uh, it's re- it's really cool. Uh, so at that moment, um, we get like these intercut moments where Psylocke finally reveals to the team that after they realized that murder world where they were at and psychically tortured for a while, that place hasn't been destroyed like they thought. Uh, Psylocke reveals that yeah, I kind of did that. I implanted those memories. I took away your memories. Uh, fuck things up for oh. you guys, and I'm sorry. She kind of admits to being Sinister's kind of pawn. Uh, at the same time, Sinister reveals um, what uh, his whole thing is. Um, at the same time, John Gray, Gray Crow, after learning all this, just decides to go fucking ballistic on Amino Fetus. Uh <laughs> And I guess he remembered that they were saying not to. I mean, he listened to them saying, "Oh, like you know, don't feed them, don't don't allow them to eat." Yeah, and he really keyed in on that. Yeah, he didn't. He didn't love that. Um, but yeah, Gray Crow just starts to shoot fucking amino amino. Oh wait, what's it? Amino fetus, and apparently, oh, boys. apparently, when you do that, uh, <laughs> it just unleashes. A bunch of world eating infants that not only that they don't just like eat life they eat strands of time uh because apparently the fucking amino fetus is part of something called the damnation cycle it starts off as an abominable germ (laughs) it evolves as a heinous subversion of the life force and then it becomes (laughs) the accursed embryo writhing in light the accursed embryo seeks out a master, which is Tarn, I guess. Then it becomes the amino fetus. And then after the amino fetus, it becomes the atrocious infants, which are the time eating fucking weirdos that spawn out of his back. Uh, and even once Tarn learns about this, he has to teleport back to deal with this because if the, uh, if the atrocious infants get out, then that's the end of the world, no matter what. So, he basically goes up to this guy, to the amino fetus, is like, "BRB, I gotta throw my son into this black hole." 
before he destroys the universe. Peace. Uh, and that, that saves the fucking asses. I mean, Grey Crow knew. He just, yeah, like, I was just so, I, I didn't, I, all right, look, they gave a whole detailed page about this dude, you know what I'm saying? But the fact that Grey Crow and all his anger after shooting them up said, you know what? I'm going to feed this fat gargantuan I don't, I have no more words for it actually. <laughs> it was just, I don't know. It was um Yeah. I guess that's the only issue I had. <laughs> Even though it's a little it's small, you know what I mean? It's yeah. not really a big one. Well, they kind of address it later because as the uh, atrocious infants are coming out, Psylocke's like, what did you do? And he's like, I don't know. I was very upset. <laughs> I, I like that they kind of addressed it, that he like just went blind with rage for a minute. He wasn't really even thinking. He was just like, yeah, yeah I kind of let my temper get the best of me there. My bad. <laughs> and to be fair, he didn't really know. Because all Tarn did was come by and say, please stop. Please stop doing that. <laughs> so. He was like, man, fuck you. I don't care. Just <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to keep doing it. I mean, you know, I guess I get it to a degree. Um, so after this is resolved, uh, the Hellions go back through the Bladefish to find Sinister uh, with his ultimate experiment. And it turns out this entire time he's been creating a... a sinister cl- uh, clone of um of Tarn the Uncaring which is i guess the first chimera that uh that sinister creates and chimeras are an important thing in this X-Men mythos because as we move over to the future we've seen glimpses of other chimeras which is just a combination of two different mutants uh so interesting uh big i guess uh rep- uh, repercussions coming for this next for uh, the overall story of the X-Men as a whole um, but yeah they're just like okay we gotta kill this thing because we can't have a sinister Tarn out there that's double bad yeah like yeah this is this is uh, for sure something that needs to be destroyed yeah but, however yeah Psylocke is like wait please and uh, and <laughs> says like tell them Quanon Tell them why they won't. Uh, and Psylocke's like... Tell them Quanon. Yeah, he's like, I'm sorry. He has my daughter. And Grey Crow's like, oh, so that's why you lie to us. Um, and she's like, yes, please, John, don't. And he's like, stop. You don't have to ask. So I guess they were just going to let this happen. And that's when uh, Emmanuel, the empath, just decides to be like, Hmm. You were told not to play with yourself, Sinister. And as they're activating the Tarn Sinister clone, uh, Empath just turns uh, Havoc into a violent sociopath again. And um, apparently, Empath might have been just like an agent of Emma this entire time, Emma Frost, because he whispers up to his ear and says, Emma says hello. As Havoc just destroys the entire lab and possibly Quanon's daughter as well. Uh damn. And that's where the the issue ends. Uh this is my VGI. <laughs> Certified VGI. I thought it was fantastic. Um So who was this that suggested that Havoc be on the team? Empath? Everybody who's on this team has been put there by the um uh, 
by the council. By council. Mm-hmm. Okay. So it's not their. Meaning that Emma could definitely could have had a hand in any or or all. Yeah, any or all. Right. So it seems like like it was set up that like he was put on the team to do this. All right, so. Well, specifically, I guess I, to keep I, an I eye on Sinister. I as Emma took over this empath's mind, like Maybe. used him as a as a as a. Uh, how do I put it? Infiltrated his mind so that he, he could unlock that part of Havoc through his emotional uh, spectrum. I guess. Well, empath can do that. His ability is that he manipulates emotions. So, he can just do that to people. It's not that he's a mind reader or whatever. <laughs> No, Emma, Emma wouldn't be able to... Um... She can. Oh, she wouldn't be able to use his ability through no, him, right? No, probably not, no. All right, so he... Yeah, he probably is a sleeper agent, like you said. Yeah, I think he's just sleep. like... He was probably sent in there by Emma or assigned there by Emma to keep an eye on Sinister. Um, yeah. But, yeah, I, I really enjoyed this issue. It's so weird to see Hellions have, like, kind of a big impact on the story overall. Like, this is the command. Huge impact, man. Yeah. Especially when you look on that on that um on that watch list and see Inferno looming ahead. God damn. This has to have huge implications. Oh yeah. And then even the next I mean New Mutants kinda synergizes really well with the aliens. Well believe it or not. But I guess we'll get into that. When you think about it as well, um Emma knows the whole thing, right? She knows about like the many futures. So maybe she's like sees she's known she knows about the one where Sinister is a fucking asshole and sells them all out. Wait, she's in on it, right? Remember, like she was one of the few people that uh, Xavier and Magneto brought in first, and I th- I think they've like they she knows about Moira and all that stuff, and I think if she knows about Moira, she knows about all the futures, right? Yeah, I would assume that. So look, are you sure she knows about Moira? Uh, I'm, I'm not. Out? I'm not 100 percent positive. Uh, I wish. Uh, Brian, do you happen to be here? Uh, no. All right. Well. Okay. In any case. Yeah, I think. Uh, I. I. I mean, you know, I don't think it's that much of a stretch. I think it's. It's hard for me to remember all the way back. I can't really look it up right now. But yeah. In any case, we'll just. Uh, I guess reveal that later what we find out our findings on that. But I, in general, I thought this was a great issue. Um, Hellions in general is one of the, probably one of the best X-Books out there, surprisingly. So pick it up if you can. It's so fun. Even, even without like the big impact stuff, uh, it's still a fun read regardless. Um, very into it. Uh, any, any final thoughts before we move on to our next book? No. With that, we have new mutants. Number 21, uh last we left off uh gabby the uh the scout the clone of x23 has been murdered by the shadow king and uh the kids that she hangs out with have been trying to uh have the resurrection protocols uh work for her because as it stands right now there seems to be some at least vagueness over whether clones can be resurrected or not uh due to what's going on with madeline with what happened with Madeline Pryor, her being a clone of Jean Grey, and them refusing to resurrect uh, Jean Grey. Oh, not Jean Grey, um, Madeline Pryor. So, you know, that's a, that's a whole to-do. Uh, there's a little bit of a B-plot 
on this issue uh, involving uh, a space field trip with uh, Warpath, the kids, uh, you know, trying to clean up. I guess this is the summer's house, you know, just a little community service project, fun times in space. And uh, they get attacked by the brood. Um, it turns out that there is a rebel tribe of brood just uh, just wiling out out there, as according to Brew, who is a character that is a little bit near and dear to my heart because he is from Wolverine, the X-Men. And I value all those kids very much. I don't know where EDA is, though. She hasn't pulled up in a long time. Who's that again? The uh, the temperature girl. Um, she uh, she was supposed to have like this uh, romantic thing with Quentin. Remember her? Uh, yeah, it was a, a long bit. time. That's fair. In any case, it's not important right now. I was just thinking about her. EDA, if you're out there, I'm thinking about you. <laughs> um, <laughs> whoa. Meanwhile, uh, we cut over to uh, Krakoa, where we have uh, everybody just addressing the new mutant children about what the fuck they're doing with Gabby's body and trying to get into the re- into um, the re- Arbor Magna, I think it's called, where they do most of the resurrections. Um, and they explain that, like, yo, we just came here because... Uh, Gabby was murdered, and we know that there aren't really laws about uh, resurrecting clones. You guys don't seem to be very cool with that, so we decided to do it ourselves. Um, and, yeah, they're like, ah, man, that that does suck. This they, It brings the, to the attention that there is a lot of vagueness around clones. It's like, what if someone like Gabby, who's a child and a good person, but is also a clone... Uh, what if she dies? Does she get resurrected? And uh, it turns out, yeah, honestly, uh, because Cerebro registers her as a mutant, although even though she's a clone. Um, but in any case, uh, you know, Ron tries to be like, oh, man, I'm I'm sorry, uh, but why didn't you just come for me? Why didn't you ask me? And they said, because you were the last person to see her alive. And Ron doesn't seem to have any memories of this happening. He's like, mm, doesn't check out with me. Couldn't be, couldn't be me. Not at all. Not possible. Nope. Not what happened in my head. No, that's not what happened at all. And uh, they're like, no, that you definitely were. You dismissed her, and uh, <laughs> you know, you you just like shoot her away or something. Oh no, they you, they said that you brought her to Shadow King, and then she's never been seen since. Um. At that moment, we cut over to Danny Moonstar and Sean talking about Ron and how she seems to be like kind of losing her edge and it is very closely involved with the Shadow King. Um, we then cut back to, you know, there's the space adventure with the kids fighting Brood. And we cut back to uh, Arbor Magna where Gabby was resurrected. Yay! She made it. Um, and yeah, so that worked out. Uh, the second she sees Ron though, she just pulls up with her claws and attacks her immediately. Um, and Ron's like, oh my God, I I wish I could remember and I wish I could undo it, but you know, I'm very sorry. My heart aches for you guys. I'm, I'm, I want to be an ally to you guys. Uh, but the thing I do remember is the shadow King, you know? So 
it, it's crazy, but I think the guy named the Shadow King is behind all of our miseries and pain. Uh, it's, it's really funny. Um, yeah, don't quote me, but... <laughs> <laughs> hey, what? who's keeping tabs on the guy who calls himself the Shadow King and just seems to hang out by himself until he wants to manipulate children into killing other people? Who, what's that guy doing? No one's... No one's uh... No one knows. No, just right. the children. Right. Right. Whatever. I mean, you know, what are you, what are you gonna do? Uh, second chance for everyone here on Krakoa. Uh, <laughs> uh, I mix apocalypse. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Even I miss with the too. weirdo magic stuff. <laughs> Even with him being whipped by his family. Uh, <laughs> in the meantime. Um, so basically, like, are we going to get in trouble because we resurrected a clone? And um, the five are like, no, we got this. We're uh, our resurrection. We're in charge of that. And if the council has some problems with that, they can come talk to us. Um, Real gangster. Yeah. I'm like, go fucking the five, dude. Hell yeah. Yeah, they partner, but it should be called gangster time. Said, yeah, they'll be all right. We'll talk to them <laughs> about it later. I'll go on and figure this out, kids. Yeah. That was cool. Yeah, that's what's up, man. I mean, independent thinkers. And I mean, some of these people are incredibly, stupidly next level powerful. Yeah. So, like, you know. Yeah. What are you going to do with It's a Magneto to them, right? Locked up. The master of magnets. Of? <laughs> um, meanwhile, uh, Ron pulls up to the, uh, to the new mutant squad and she's like, Yo, I think Shadow King's up to something. Uh, I promise not to reveal this, but apparently he killed another mutant, and I just kept that under my hat this whole time. Uh, so, you know, good times. But I'm done. I'm done working for him. Please help me fight him. And everybody's like, "Yeah, <laughs> we're gonna fuck up the Shadow King now." Uh, but uh, the issue ends Finally. with the Shadow King just vibing. Uh, I guess on the cliffside, just like, "Yes, come for me, children." Come and oh, play. Yeah. He's ready. This is one of the best pictures I've ever seen. <laughs> like in a comic book. For real. For real. This is, I'm not saying it's top 10 or anything like that, but it's, it's top something, bro. Yeah, he's just like, top something. Look at that face. Yeah. Ooh, I'm gross and scary with my hey, fez. <laughs> Look at my pencil mustache and my yes. fez. <laughs> Uh, uh, yeah, this is a. Uh... His face is way too big for those glasses. <laughs> I don't. I was trying to figure out: is it the are the are the, are the glasses too small, or is his face too big? Yeah. I th- I think it's. I'm leaning toward the latter. Yeah, it, I mean, you know, it's got to be normal size glasses that just don't fit on his ginormous head. Yeah, he's probably eight feet tall himself, so it's not. It's not looking good. Um, man. They gotta have free healthcare on Krakoa. Like, there's no reason his teeth gotta look like that either. <laughs> it's not good for you. You're right. Yeah, I don't know why. I mean, brush your teeth, dog. You're still a guy, even though you're the Shadow King. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, this was a really cool issue. New Mutants is kind of, you know, again, it's not. it has nothing to do with, like, the classic team, as far as I know. Uh, that's not the selling point for me. It's more like the kids that we're getting to know now and their whole conflict with, um, 
the Shadow King, which is interesting because I, I think like the issue very much plays it like that, you know, where uh, the old generation is kind of taking a backseat to the newer kids. Yeah, even in even in their B and C plot. Yeah, which I I appreciate. Um, focus on uh, what's coming, what's new, the next gen of uh, of mutant. I'm here for it. Um, yeah, I liked it. Uh, it's been a while, you know. New mutants is finally starting to grow on me. I don't know about you, Josh. I think it's like no, it is. It. It's I'm I'm looking forward to to each book that comes out more recently. Yeah, no, I agree. But with that being said, I think that's all I have to say. Um, I just want to say one last thing. Yeah, yeah. Um, so where it synergizes with with uh, Hellions is that when the kids brought up Resurrection, which I'm, you already mentioned, but just to focus, they specifically talked about you know how clones shouldn't aren't supposed to be resurrected and Cosmar. Uh, you know the kids. I'm not, I don't remember who in particular, but the kids, you know, mentioned that to the five and was like, yo, like, you know, we we heard what said about Madeline, about how she was a clone, so they're not going to uh, uh, resurrect her. And the five was like, nah, that doesn't make sense. I mean, you guys count as individuals, or at least Cerebro does, and if Cerebro creates an individual as a backup, you know, you are, what was the word they used? Entitled like, to a resurrection. Entitled, yes. The word was entitled. I was going to say they valid for resurrection, but yes, the, the word, yeah, they're entitled. They they ought to be mm-hmm. resurrected. Yeah. Um, and that was a very. Pro- I don't even want to say progressive. That was a very em- empathetic way of looking at it, and that's the way things are supposed to be. You know, that's what most of these people believe the island's supposed to be about, anyway. Mm-hmm. You know, regardless of what Charles and Moria and Magneto as plan and all mm-hmm. that. Yeah, I mean these guys are the I linchpin wonder... of the whole society. Oh, so, sorry. no, I was about to say these are these guys are the linchpin of the whole society. So, if they say something goes, I don't think that you're going to argue with them. Or at least they're going to have to really come with an excellent argument because they're not they're not just little kids that they could shoe off. Yeah. Um. All right, that's it. We can. Right. yeah let's do it uh that was uh those were the x-books a good couple of x-books also batman was great yeah really good ones yeah we had a good week in batman american was really comics. good solid american comics too yeah all right let's uh let's move onward world trigger all right this is world trigger chapter 212 the away mission test part 10 um last we left off we had one chapter and now we have two. So, yes. <laughs> yes. All is right with the world. Um, last we left off, uh, we found out the rankings of everybody, uh, all the uh, separate teams uh, during the first special exam and the first day of, uh, of the away mission test. And Sua Squad, which includes um, Osamu uh, and a couple other, uh, and Katori. And uh, sh- who was the last guy in their squad? I don't even remember. Oh, the sniper, the sniper from OG Squad. Uh, they all, they all ended up at the very bottom of the rankings. So you know that's not good. And meanwhile, Kodera, the chap- last chapter ended with Kodera calling Sua to ask him for something, <laughs> and uh, Sua's like, "What? What do you need to know?" <laughs> and uh, 
basically uh Codera asks him to um to see the to know about the personal scores for everyone on Sua's squad. Sua's immediately like, "Huh? Why should I tell you that? <laughs> how would you how would that help us?" And he's like, "Right." He's like, "Well, I'll share my score squad store scores with you too." He's like, "I don't give a fuck about your scores." And uh Codera's like, "True. That's fair." Um so he's like, just because you, just because we ended up dead last, you think you're safe dealing with us losers? Is that what you're thinking, Kodera? He's like, no. And there's just like an awkward silence on the phone, just like. And as Kodera's about to hang up, he's like, "Sorry, I should have asked differently." And he's like, "I got plus twenty two, and my members got around fifteen uh, points each, except for Katori, but he thinks that part." Um, but he says, "But that's all you're getting from me." And then he gives Kodera advice, just. We we get a little bit more shades of uh, Sua throughout this as we go along, but this is the first. We sure do. Yeah. Where he basically explains is like, are you are you trying to make a deal with us or is it just info you're after? Because you know you got to be more clear when you're asking things, you know, uh, otherwise people will think you sus. Uh, so Coder's like, that's cool. Um. And he's like, if Maybe it's deal- some jewels for him, yo. Yeah, he said, and if it's he's deals really that you're after, it. if you're trying to make a deal, then come up with a juicy incentive from the start. Without that, you just come off as a crappy haggler. And Coder's like, thanks, thanks for the tip. Uh, and people will either dismiss a crappy haggler or take advantage of one. Right. Yeah. Oh, man. Bad look. Uh, <laughs> we get little shots of uh, Ecoma cooking throughout this, which is actually kind of important later. I just wanted to drop that real fast. Um, Kodera then calls Kuruma Squad to talk about it, um, and Kuruma explains that uh, the team got an th- average of 30, 13 points per person. Um, so you know he asks, uh, "What about you? What, what did you guys get?" And uh, apparently, Kodera, in terms of the A rank uh, scores. Uh, definitely got lower. Was on the lower Scott side because their they their single digits was. I mean, their average amongst the A rank squads was in the single digits. So mm. they're like, hmm, that's interesting. Uh, he explains that um, apparently he he tried to like limit the length of debate to keep it from taking up time. But uh, since they had less time to voice their thoughts maybe the A-rank squads didn't really witness as much discuss- discussion to evaluate on, and that's maybe what they're thinking why Kodera uh, mm-hmm. got ranked so low. Uh, <laughs> Ikoma's still cooking, and uh, yeah, they they keep just like keeping track of all the people they get information from, their averages, essentially. Um, so, yeah, he's basically, and one of the squad mates is like, are you sure this is like even really important to think about? And it's because it's such a small fraction of the points. Why is it? It, it doesn't feel like it really matters. And um, Codera says like, what if the A rank evaluation points are calculated uses some kind of multiplier formula? Because it could look low for us, but in terms of like how it's being graded overall, there could just be more to the score itself than just what we see. So I want to see, you know, how we can improve that um, because it may have an yeah. effect on us down the road. I mean, I, I, I like how he made a point about, you know, like this, this section is highlighted. Mm-hmm. So, and, and he said it comes down to two things. It's either 
going like the way the numbers is looking it's either going to be something that really matters or something that doesn't matter at all yeah and since it's highlighted and it's some sort of criteria well, I'm going to lean towards it probably really mattering and I'm going to focus on it. I thought that was smart. I thought that was a really, that, you know, it would have been real easy to be lazy about it. I don't even really say lazy to, to not put too much thought into it and say, Hey, you know, whatever. It probably isn't going to be that big of a deal. Let's not overthink this and focus on other things. I think there's merit, you know, for, to, to point that out, especially as a leader. Yeah, you know, uh, as the as the as the de facto leader of the team. Yeah, no, I agree with that. Um, Meanwhile, in the monitor room, um, the captain of the all-girl A-rank squad, I think her name is Kato. I could be wrong, but yeah, her and the operator of my nightmares is just like sitting there, like she's like. Yes, who is, is that how they <laughs> looked the whole time? Yeah, I thought this was just like a funny way face she was making, but this is just yeah, how but she, no, this is, yeah. This is how she looks. <laughs> just like, what the fuck? Because <laughs> she's so crazy different from everyone else. Uh, it's, it's, it's unbelievably noticeable, and it sticks out like a sore thumb. But... Yeah, she's based. Uh, this A rank uh, captain is basically like Kodera. Sure shows worry all over his face. I'd like to take away points for that. Um, Damn. He's like, ooh, you look unsure. You look mighty unsure, Kodera. <laughs> and uh, the operator just like uh, disagrees completely. She gives her pl- she gives him plus two points because he's just not worried. He's not just worried. He's like he's thinking about it deeper than he. He's using critical thinking. He's, you know, worried about his squad mates. Like, he's just trying to cover all his bases for his people. Um, right, right. So, that was cool. She terrifies me, but she has a good point. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, they're basically like, okay, I mean, if Kodera is that worried about it, we should uh, we should change our strategy then. Um, I think next time we should just, like, you know, speak our minds more and just have our more of our thoughts stated and then maybe you know that'll give the a-rank squads a little more to talk about or think about so they start eating uh we cut over to og squad and everybody is really enjoying uh ecoma's food uh it's like whoa this is really good ecoma and then we cut (laughs) ecoma has like a little flashback as to i guess the impotence that allowed him to be good at cooking and (laughs) he apparently asked uh, Kakizaki and uh, Jin, a hobby to make him a chick magnet. <laughs> and Jin's like, oh, that's easy. You should just learn how to cook, man. That's the that's the trick. Uh, and he's that like, that actually, I would imagine it is. I mean, man. it is. <laughs> uh, he's like, give me a break. When could I ever show that off? And it happens. And then we cut to the present where he's like, Jin, bless you, bro. I wonder if Jin saw this in the future. This moment <laughs> where right. they have to cook in the, in their ship. One of the possibilities. And Ikoma's actually crying because this is happening to him. And um, they're like, oh, are you crying? I fucking love Ikoma, dude. Ikoma's probably my favorite character in this whole series. Uh, I love that guy. Um, He's up there. So, yeah, that worked out. As he's crying, the monitor room cuts over to the A-Rank squad, and they're like, whoa, he's a secret chef? Style points for him. But um, Midori Kawa makes the point that if he keeps showing off like that, he'll run through their supplies. So, yeah, <laughs> demerit, I guess. 
like Amatori, always asking for rice. Mm-hmm. What's going to happen when you run out? Ooh, you're not going to have any rice no more? Uh, oh, shit. She's going to turn angry and shoot everybody up. <laughs> with her ultimate trial cannon. Um, mm-hmm. They even talk a little bit about, you know, how everybody else handled food while they're on the while they're on the um the subject. Uh there are only a uh, a couple squads that actually like planned out full menus for all 7 days. So they're covered on food. Um which is uh which is smart. We also meet uh the HQ chief engineer that we've never seen before. Uh his name is Raizo Terashima. I think that's his name. Oh, damn. Yeah, I said it. Raizo Terashima. Um so they're like, ah, oh, you know, that that's that's good. Um so yeah, Suwa is among the squads that, you know, had everyone plan like a meal plan for the seven days. Um mm. so everything's good. Uh now everybody starts to go through showers. They have this box in the bathroom that they throw their clothes in and it breaks down into Tryon and then becomes new clothes. Uh nice. <laughs> which is pretty cool. Uh, that's why they, uh, allow the, they had them change before the test so they can have this dope ass try on clothes. Um, so everyone showers and then we cut over to, uh, basically, uh, Wakamura squad where Hughes is and they say, Hey, Hughes, the shower's free. And Hughes is like, I'll shower in the morning. Um, so yeah, now they're going to figure out the room assignments because as it stands, there's one capsule bed that is secret from everyone else. They can sleep there. And um, there's like two bedrooms as well. So they usually break up. Like, I guess squads usually like sh- take shifts. Who's going to sleep in the capsule first? Yeah. It's, it's a two bedroom, a one bedroom, and a capsule. Yeah, I'd like to think. And then it's the operator room. I think I'd like to think the capsule was specifically put there for use. Right? I if not by the higher ups, then definitely from the author being like, "Yeah, I don't know how else to go about this." Because I feel We're going to put two single rooms. <laughs> yeah, because this is why because we then cut over to a flashback of uh Reiji who is on Tomacoma 1 uh talking about addressing the sleep thing, which is something we've talked about actually. Um because he can't sleep in his Tryon body, so he'll have to go back to his regular body, and his regular body has the horns from uh, after Kator. Mm. So they're just trying to figure out what exactly um, what to do about that. And uh, he says, uh, <laughs> Reiji apparently says uh, when they mentioned the top breath, when he mentioned it to the top breath, they told him it was like he could figure it out himself. So they he says here that they they. There's, they're suggesting there's a solution and you just have to find it, which is why I think they put the capsule bed there in everyone's thing to stave off suspicion that it was for use the whole time uh, by making every squad have to deal with the capsule bed. Yeah. This is so that funny. That makes complete sense. Yeah. This is the funniest part is that the way Hughes finds a way to sleep into the capsule, he basically goes like, forgive me, but I need to use the one person room. We Canadians can't sleep in the company of others. Yo, I just looked at the page like, yeah, is this nigga dead ass serious? <laughs> is nobody, nobody else from Canada or know anybody from Canada or- Mikhail, yeah, and nobody could check him. Like, yeah, you're lying. That's that's ridiculous. What you're saying right true. now. 
because the only other neighbor is actually the engineer for uh, for Tamakoma. And he, uh, he says he's also from, Canadians as well. Yeah, he says he's also from Canada. In fact, he was supposed to be his cousin, and that's his cover. Uh, it's it's so funny. He's just like, I need Canadians, and they're like, What are Canadians that fussy? And they're like, No, I've seen movies and TVs, and Canadians are just like everyone else. And Hughes is like, Lies, all of it. The media does not portray Canadians accurately. Uh, <laughs> yeah, he. He 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 held on to that very strongly, man. I mean, he committed. He was in it, and it. He says like authentic Canadians must have their own rooms at all times, and he's like, "What?" The? Everybody's like, "What?" <laughs> I don't. And carry a bottle of maple. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, like a, a whole bottle of maple syrup, and then he's like, "Or I could just sleep in the capsule the whole time." Um. So everybody's just like. All right, I guess you can sleep in the capsule. <laughs> okay, weirdo, you can sleep in the capsule if you want. If you say so. <laughs> it's really funny. Go for it, buddy. Uh, so everybody... no, yeah, it's, it's smooth. I'm, I'm, I'm not mad that they gave it an easy fix. Seemingly. Yeah, no, I thought it was really funny. Uh, I think the funniness of it kind of like f- makes it easy for a lot of you know easy to let it slide. I, I thought it was really cool. Um, yeah. But the chapter ends when everybody's going to bed and Suba tells uh, Osamu that he has something that he needs to hear. Dun dun dun. Oh uh, uh, man, should we continue? Uh, right now, yeah. because we have a whole ass new chapter again. Um, so we cut immediately to what uh, we left off last time. Uh, Suba's like, I need to tell you guys something. Uh, uh, I need to tell you something, Osamu. You know, the ru- you know how they gave us the rules for the battle sims? Did you see those yet? And uh, basically, the rules are that they're doing 10 matches total every day. Um, and it's through a computer, so it's not really them fighting. Oh. <laughs> That's why this uh, this is important. So the units that they use in order to do these battles are have different stats every time. So, you know, some people will be stronger than they usually are. Some people will be weaker than they usually are. But... Uh, in terms of battle resources, this means that Osamu could be a burden to the squad because he's not particularly strong. He doesn't have a lot of try on. Um, and also, Osamu's biggest asset, yeah. which, Osamu's biggest asset, which is his creativity and usage of all these ba- of these uh, of these tr- triggers, will be kind of uh, useless at this point because they're not going to have as much uh, room for creativity. Um, Cause yeah, very restricted. Because the simulations um, will probably options go. yeah, because the simulations will probably not be able to uh, replicate these creative plans in that way. So you know, and Suba is not saying like not saying this to put him down. In fact, he's saying it to be, you know, like to give him a little bit of a confidence boost. It's just like, hey, I know that this is happening. Even if you do wind up slowing us down, I've already taken that into account. So don't don't lose your don't lose your head about it. Um, and don't keep quiet. Just keep the ideas coming, and you know it'll give you uh, an edge on the A rank uh, judging. You know, so it was like a, like the big brother Nakumo needed for real, man. Not a deadbeat like Jane. <laughs> yeah, for real. I mean, Sue is really like <laughs> stepping up, man. Uh, who knew? 
Sua was just kind of like this punk, this cool. You baller. knew, man. I mean, you, I always, you, I always like Sua. I told, I said it up top. I always like Sua. Uh, I said it in a previous highlight <laughs> when we talked about. Our respect level is, is quickly rising. Yeah, I mean, you know, these two chapters. But I liked him because he, like, just on the surface, he was just the like the badass loose cannon type guy. But he, this is yeah. a little bit more of a layer, you know. He's just kind of like this uh, delinquent with a heart of gold type um kind of guy i like it i like those kind of guys you know dependable um big fan um so yeah even then like uh they started like well even if we end up losing katari katori is gonna get mad at me and she and, uh, so was like yeah don't let her get to you in fact she was in a good mood today honestly and it, if she's in a bad mood she just straight up won't talk to you so you know i know that much um but he says he makes it known that like yeah, Katori is probably going to be our ace when all is said and done. Um, you know, she was she was the top of our pack in the individual rankings, even though she seemed to be spacing out. So, you know, I there's a lot of potential with Katori. The only thing that's like kind of hindering her is her temper. So it all depends on how she's feeling on any particular day. But she could be highly valuable to us in the battle overall. Um, but yeah, uh, that's where the night ends. They're like, all right, let's go rest up. Let's do this thing. Um, everybody washes their clothes in that same, I guess, try on thing. Yeah. They put the, uh, the, the blankets and sheets and all of that. That I, I really wish we had a sound like that in the real world. God. Yeah. How easy would it be with a try on, with a try on washing? I, 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 I I'd pay as much money as it takes, man. Yeah, that, it's humanly possible. Uh, I'd give all my try on. <laughs> and then you get different designs back. It doesn't just give you the same shit. Yeah, it's true. You can, you can literally just get one 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 article of clothing per you know and yeah. have it change every day. I just make it make new Jump City t shirts. <laughs> you know, I think that'd be Yeah. Lit. Different kinds and variations yeah, that'd different be variations. That'd be lit. Um but yeah, they do that. Um they they have this case there as well, and the case has like a mouse and a headset, and um, you know I guess it's for their game, um, but yeah that worked out. Meanwhile, back at uh, Wakamura Squad, uh, they've dis- they're going to make their call as far as you know Hughes's idea going forward, where they're I guess sharing answers with each other in order to like make things go on a little smoother. Uh, than last time, and Rokudare's like, yeah, I mean, you know, I feel like this is the best way. It, I, it, because it doesn't seem to matter that it's about like there's cheating on the test itself. This is very much the Naruto thing, where it's like I wanted to test your resources and getting answers, even if you cheat. Yeah. Um. So that was really dope. Yeah. So it's one of those things. Um. So they uh they open up their battle sim data and we get the basic rules of it. Each unit's stats and triggers are reflective of the previous rank wars uh season. So for each cool. match each for each match select up to two units that whose uh trigger loadouts can be reassigned. Any unit may be controlled by any squad member. Hmm. It's not a super I I'm sure we'll get definitely more details down the road but they seem to have standard mutants 
all eight for every match and a backup unit of different eight. Yeah, now that looked interesting. Yeah, the backup uh, units they have a Tachikawa, uh, Izumi, I think this guy is the shooter guy. Um, yeah. The sniper guy, Toma. And uh, shit, I had this guy's Kazama, I think. Is he an attacker? Is. Isn't he like. A... Kazama? I think yeah. that's his name is Kazama. Yes, he's the number three squad. Yeah, yeah. Okay, I remember. Little short guy. Too. Yeah, a little short guy. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, that's where the uh, chapter ends, where the day two uh, is about to begin, and they're about to go into the battle section. Uh, I wonder how this is going to look. Uh, it's obviously not going to be a rank war like we've known it. No, no, yeah, which we, you know, you don't want to do too much of that. Yeah, I mean, I could watch it forever, but it's For fun. sure, for sure, but I'd rather, <laughs> I, no, as I, long as it comes back. I agree, I agree. I'm I'm fine with something new as well. Um, Man, what a great uh, couple chapters. Um, I'm so glad because, like, this series is kind of, like, difficult to read one chapter at a time every month. And every, yeah, every chapter is the standard sure. jump length. So, you know, I, I enjoyed this chapter quite a bit. Um, yeah, I don't know what the battle award is going to be about, what it, what it's all going to be. Um, maybe you guys can uh, drop your theories below in the comments to let us know what you think the battles are going to be like. Um, yeah, well, what developments y'all think we're going to see? I mean, there's two off the top of my head. I mean, there's... Could, Katori, Katori's uh, specialty and Mikumo learning new things about about battle mm-hmm. that he can apply to real life. You know what I'm saying to himself? That's what this looks like to me because it's, it's very bare bones and to the point. So it's nothing fancy or or extra, you know, like that. You know what I'm saying? So Mikumo could learn the basics while going against other people who can only do the basics. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. And, um,. With Katoria, it allows her to focus on something in particular, and maybe she'll use it so much she'll get a liking to it, you know? Mm-hmm. And finally settle down on what role she wants to be. But who knows? Um, yeah. It might not even be like that at all. It might be like animated chess or something. Yeah. Animated. Or Advanced Wars. Yeah. Um, but that's all I gotta say about World Trigger this month. Always, always happy to see World Trigger, no matter what. Uh, for sure. Very here for it. Um, I suppose we should move on now. Uh... Black Clover. This is Black Clover Chapter 304, Reality and Magic. Last we left off, Noel and Nozelle defeated Megicula, uh with their sibling p- team-up power. And... Um, yeah, that's where the chapter ends. Everything starts to dissolve around Megicula's magic. Uh, and the curse dissolves off of Laura Pachika. Um, Asta is holding <laughs> Laura Pachika's now naked body. It's like, fuck, I didn't see anything, I promise. Um, and, uh, you know, Noel goes into full uh, Sundere mode, uh, punches Asta, is like, what are you doing? Uh, um and uh, she gives uh, Laura Pachika a hug. Just very happy that Laura Pachika made it. Um, so, yeah. He's like, what was that for? And she's like, shut up, baka. You know, all that stuff. Ba- yeah, back to Sundere Noel. Um, and I guess, like, people just start dying now. <laughs> After that, 
he basically uh charlotte and real start to pass away uh gaja also starts to die as well uh and everybody's like gaja captain charlotte captain real um Laura Pachika tries to save everybody with her water recovery magic, but it's not working because wounds can't not heal. Enough. And I'm like, oh my god, are they gonna kill Gaja right now? Are they gonna kill Charlotte and Rill? And Yo, like, I was like, Charlotte's gonna die before yeah. she even gets to see Yams. He's like, oh no. And uh then <laughs> that's when Nox summons the only person who can possibly heal these wounds right now, this second. Mimosa pulls up. Uh, and she heals everyone. So that works yes. out. Ultimate plant magic, flower, princess, utopia. That's Which fine. Which really just means... <laughs> you know what? I don't have anything clever to say about it, bro. It cha- It fixes everything, makes them perfect. And um, That's yeah. It. Yeah. Must be nice. It's fine. Yeah, I, I let it go. Ben Edgy wish he had that. <sighs> if only. <laughs> yeah i mean you know i guess this uh this is fine i'm not gonna harp on it whatever um i have no, no reason. yeah i'm not mad yeah i have no He's reason like, to be like oh they should have stayed dead this not that's not the kind of series black clover is uh but it's fine uh everybody's back uh she's just like oh my god i'm sorry i i didn't mean to i, I can't believe it you almost died for me and uh god's just like no it was no more than my duty as spirit guardian. And uh, there's an awkward silence. And then uh, Noah's like, don't you people have anything else to say? And Gaja just drops, I love you. Uh, and everybody's like, whoa. And he's like, not as my queen, but as a woman, what I feel for you is. <laughs> and it's kind of like regular. I appreciated it. I thought this was a very sweet moment. Very cute. How many times Ooh, do you yeah. see something like this, you know? It's like uh, you know, confession of love. I think this is the end of the road for Black Clover. I think we're coming towards the end of the series. Uh, yeah. Whatever this is is gonna be the end. But in any case, they're like, yes, no, let's get this ship going. Um, and next we uh cut over to uh the inside of the castle where uh Yami, uh not Yami. Um, wait, that's his name, Yami, right? I don't know why I blanked on his name. Rival guy. That's Yami. No, that's not Yami. Yami's the Silver. shadow guy. Who you know? Damn it! I haven't seen him in so long. I can't oh believe. man! Yeah, yeah, yeah. Damn! Okay. I can't believe I forgot. Sorry, mix up in my brain. Uh, so you know's out here just fighting. Uh, Zeno. I think that's his name. Bone Man. Bone Man. Kimimaro Plus Deluxe. Yes. Yeah, Kimimaro. <laughs> yeah. Kimimaro Deluxe. The one that's not sick. Yeah. For the disease. And he's like, you're only wasting time. I'll end this. Um, And I guess Yuno and Langris are on the ropes. And Langris is like, Curses, what do we do now? And he says, buy me three minutes. I'll finish him with my next attack. Uh, And that's where the chapter ends. This is cool. (laughs) I like this chapter fine. Um... I, I'm hoping next chapter will be uh, pretty cool for you. Know, uh, have him have this cool moment where he re- he uh, avenges William Vengeance. Uh, yeah, and grinds bones to dust with just wind. That would yeah. be interesting to watch with strictly air. 
<laughs> you know. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I'm into it. Uh, I got. I don't have a lot of thoughts on uh, Black Clover this week, except for this was a very fun one. Uh, very uh, heartwarming with Gaja and Laura Pachika. So I'm into it. Um, ready to close it out with our final series, Josh? Yes. Let's go. Rocket to punch! I tried to pick a somewhat fitting uh, final drop. Uh, yeah. This is Undead on Luck. Uh, chapter 76, Reach the Speed of Light. Gotta go fast. Um, <laughs> okay, so basically we cut back to a flashback where Andy's explained the most dangerous man in this operation has got to be Undecrease Creed. Um, he has ammo. The ammo for his weapon will never decrease. Even with unlimited, even with undead abilities, like his power will probably just overwhelm me. So I won't be able to regenerate uh, or keep up. My regeneration won't be able to keep up and I'll just be helpless. So, yeah, like he's not saying he'll kill him. He's just saying, like, you know, I won't. I mean, I'll just I, be a puddle of blood and guts constantly. Very sort of biological fluids. Yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but you guys are different because Chikara has the ability to unmove to. He has a move to stop his barrage, and Top has unstoppable with will, which will allow him to attack while he is un he is uh, unmoved. Um, and that's where we cut mm. to where we left off last time, where uh, the plan was going into effect. Uh, Top managed to hit uh, un, uh, Creed in the back of his head while Chikara had him unmoved, and um, I guess he saw this coming, kind of because. As Unmove starts to move, uh, takes a closer look, he notices that Creed has a fucking flash grenade in his hand. And it just explodes, blinding uh, Chikara temporarily, allowing allowing Creed to move. And Top just starts, like, having to sprint because he's like, fuck, he's he's not going to run out of bullets no matter how long I dodge. I gotta push myself to close the gap. And then all he sees is this like rubble. And um, he seems to be like using the ceiling rubble and the dust particles to counteract him and unmove. So, you know, I guess he was just like holding, he just like hit himself in this weird makeshift cavern for a second. Yeah, he, yeah, he, yeah, using the rubble that he shot down, chasing the unstoppable down. It was actually pretty clever. For someone I thought was going to be a dickhead. Yeah. Um, to be honest. Yeah. Top just like pushes off, uh, kicks off the thing. And, um, oh man, it's rough because he just pulls out Chikara and he seems to have knocked out Chikara's eyes. I thought like, did he yank his eyes out? Shit. Yo, that's what I was thinking. Like they made it seem real dramatic. Like, oh, but I, I mean, it's still pretty bad. I think what he did, not only did he flat bring his eyes, but he kind of punched his face in. Yeah, I think is what it looks like. So I don't know. He he made it seem like he lost the ability to use his eyes, but that's clearly not the case. Yeah, uh, yeah. But he's like, oh I shit. See so you know, Top tries to attack. He manages to get um, Chikara out of there, and um, <laughs> like un, uh, Creed just starts to shoot uncontrollably again, and he's like, "You can't. We won't be able to finish me." Uh, uh, but till unmove activating, you guys had the upper hand. But now, you know, you're fucked. Uh, getting shallow help from a shallow ability user ain't enough to beat me. 
what's being a fast runner going to do? So he basically shoot, he shoots Chikara in the leg again so that like he can't now he can't like keep steady because part of one move is that not only does Chikara have to be looking at you, he can't be moving himself. Uh, so, you know, he won't be able to stay still writhing from the pain of just getting shot through the shins. Uh, it's not- yeah. So, um, he basically, uh, Chikara's like, top, I'll be okay. Uh, Mr. Andy said it himself. He said that if we trusted each other and bring out the best of our ability, we'd be the strongest build, uh, duo around. So top just starts running away. Um, he's like, wow. Good job. Running away on your own is a damn fine decision. <laughs> Color me impressed. Here I thought. Damn fine decision. Yeah. He's like, Color me impressed. You two, here I thought you two were way softer. Um, Respect. Yeah. And he says, Don't, you don't get it. Entrusting someone's life to you, uh, entrusting your life to someone else terrifies you. But, you, uh, you know, Andy and Foucault taught me that our organization is filled with people risking, a fu- risking their lives. And fighting for the people and things they hold dear, which is why Top took off running because he believes in me, and you don't have anything I idea, any idea of that. So you're looking down on him, and uh, he starts to open his eyes, and he's like, "That's where you're gonna lose, Creed. Don't move, not till the friend I have faith in reaches the speed of light." Uh, pretty cool. Um, I mean, it shouldn't take that long, considering. Yeah. You know? So he's just going <laughs> to keep his eyes open for as long as Top takes. And I guess they're going to put in their final move into effect. Uh, that's where the chapter ends. I thought this was sick. Uh, oh, pretty cool. Yeah. I, I like how they didn't give up. Creed is, yeah, he's, 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 he's a tough guy, man. It's a fun battle. That ability is pretty crazy. Yeah, this is nice. It's. You know, I didn't know how long he was going to drag it out for, but I think two or three chapters is plenty. Yeah, you know, it's a standard, like, battle in a shonen manga, two or three chapters. Um, it was real interesting how Creed was talking to him, because he was like, yeah, you know, I ain't going to lie, like, home, the little man did his job. He was a, a punk-ass bitch before, but now <laughs> he's standing up to me using his ability. But you? <laughs> you lame ass? You couldn't even take advantage, you know what I'm saying? Like, he, he made a good point. I was like, yeah, man, you can't hit, you can't hit hard, bro. Like, you can't hit hard enough to hurt Creed. Yeah, he's still just a regular human, isn't he? Yeah, I mean, he's a bulky guy. I guess speed doesn't equate to strength, but what do I know? Um, sure. Yeah, I mean, either way, fun ass chapter. Um, Undead and Luck is fun when it's getting into its own battles. Uh, the power system's fun as usual. I had a good time reading it. I read it. This is one of the chapters I read like a couple times, um, just because it was very fun to read. Um, yeah, that was my I favorite. went I went back and forth between it a uh, handful of times as well. Yeah, but that's all I got to say about it. Uh, Undead and luck. Uh, any more thoughts before we close this out? Negative. Then let's do it. Uh, that was Undead Unluck, and this has been our show. Oh my goodness! Thank you guys so much for listening. As per usual, a little bit of a long one, but we had, again we had a bit of a gauntlet going. Uh, you can find me at the Chris Espinal, Josh at JD Cole underscore 37, Brian at B.ESP, uh, all on Twitter and Instagram. Follow show itself at New Jump City on Twitter and Instagram as well. Uh, email us at New Jump City pod at gmail.com with any questions, suggestions, 
anything you guys want to talk to us about uh subscribe to us on spotify itunes uh google podcast amazon music wherever you listen to podcasts we are on there um i did the email right NewJerseyCityPodcast.com. Yeah. Uh, subscribe to us on on YouTube as well. Uh, the video versions go up a little later than the audio versions. So if you want to hear the show first, you'd probably want to subscribe audio. But every uh, the videos go up every Friday at the very least. So subscribe to us there. Like, share, comment your thoughts, all that stuff. Yeah, and yeah, that's that's the easiest spot to communicate with us. Uh, I guess aside from social media. Yeah. But yeah, go you know through the YouTube comments. Let us know. Oh, yeah. Um, And with that being said, thank you guys so much. We'll see you guys next week. Uh, We'll be doing the in-person episode next week. So, hell yeah. We'll be back in person. So, uh, tune in for that. uh, And stay safe, New Jump citizens. Peace out.